Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you've chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome all of those joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you, as well as all of those worshiping in Prescott Valley this morning. Uh, great to have you with us as well. Um, before we dive into our message today, I do want to do one quick little uh Video, just want to say a big giant thank you to all of those who participated or served at our Candy Crawl. So this was last Monday. It was great. For those of you uh, who volunteered, we had a few thousand people from our community come and connect uh, with Quad City Christian Church. It was an amazing opportunity. And you volunteers were amazing. Like I was so proud just to be able to walk around and interact with you and see the way that you were serving our community. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we gave away all your candy. So thank you for all of the candy that you brought. Uh, it was a great night and look forward to seeing the fruit that, that brings over the next few months. Um, Today, we are continuing this series that we began a long time ago called Romans. We're working through the, the gospel uh, for everyone, this book of Romans. So if you're a newcomer with us, welcome. You're diving in. Uh, we're on week 13. But the good news is we do have November packets. So for those of you who are following along with our notebooks, uh, November is available. If you don't have yours yet, you can throw them in your throw your hand there in the air. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you want one of those to throw in your notebook, if you need one, just leave them there in the air. They'll make sure and get one of those to you. You can add those to your notebook this morning. And we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 5. So that's where we're going to be today. Or in your notebook, it's like page 88. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them to Romans chapter 5. And as we've done throughout this series, we're going to read the text uh, out loud from the platform today. So if you are able, I would invite you to stand where you are, and let's open up the Word of God today. And we're going to read verses 1 through 5 out of Romans chapter 5. This is the Word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Father God, we are grateful for your word today. And we know that it has power when used by your spirit to change our lives. And that's what we ask for today. Do your work among your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, again, welcome in. Uh, If you're a newcomer, as we're walking through the book of Romans, each one of these sermons do build off of the ones before it. So you're jumping in midstream. I would encourage you to go back. You can always catch up on our website or our app or YouTube or podcast, wherever you get the stuff, it's out there. And so we encourage you to jump in with us. But we're picking up right in midstream in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And here's where it begins. Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith. Now, if you've been around a little while, you know this is an important word. Therefore, it's always the connecting word. It tells us that what he's about to say is connected to what he's just said. But the good news for us is in this verse, he actually summarizes what he just said. Okay, so the last chapter and a half, he summarizes it by saying this, that we have been justified through faith. This is the good news that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, that we've been justified. That word justified means that we've been made right with God. There's a way for us to have a restored relationship with God. Uh, The way many of us have heard it, this word justified means that it was justified had never sinned. Like we are made right with God. And how did that happen? Well, it didn't happen because of your good works. It didn't happen because of your moral integrity. It didn't come by following the law. It didn't happen because of your family tree. It wasn't passed down like the faith of your parents. We are justified through faith. Faith in Jesus. That's how we get made right with God. Now, what he's going to do in this text today is he's going to tell us that since that has happened, since we have been justified by faith, there are some perks that come with that. Like there are some benefits. There is some really great consequences that come from us being justified by faith in Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So again, a bunch of good news today, if this is true for you. Like everything else that we're going to talk about today is contingent upon this. Have you been justified by faith in Jesus? Because if you haven't, then what we're going to talk about today does not apply to you. But if you have, you've gone all in by faith in Jesus, then all of the good things that we're about to talk about belong to you. So let's talk about some good news today. Here's the first one. Since we've been justified by faith through, I'm sorry, since we've been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the first benefit. We have peace with God. And again, I I do this to you all a lot, but I look at you and like, there's nothing. Like, you give me nothing. Like, this is, 
means nothing to you. You just sit there and stare at me like I'm quoting the phone book. Like this means nothing. And I get it. I get it. This is this one's hard to get excited about. Okay. I, no, too late. I don't think we comprehend how great this one is, okay? I want to make sure that you hear me today. I did not say that you have the peace of God. I said you have peace with God. Now, the peace of God is a great promise that is given to us in Philippians chapter 4. We celebrate that. That's great. But that's not what he's talking about here. This is not some kind of inner feeling. This is not some kind of... uh, uh serenity that we have. This is not some subjective emotion that I have the peace of God. No, no, no. He says we have peace with God. And when we talk about having peace with God, what he's talking about, this is the kind of peace that comes when two warring armies stop fighting. It is a time of peace. The peace comes when one side surrenders And a treaty is signed. This isn't a kind of peace that we feel. This is the kind of peace that is declared because the war is over. That's the kind of peace he's talking about. And the reason that most of us don't get real excited about this one, don't realize how amazing this is, is because most of us have assumed that we've always had peace with God. We've always had peace with God. Like, we don't get really excited because we've never seen ourselves at war with God. So, why would we get excited about this? I mean, God is all loving. I mean, He's always been on my side. He is for me, not against me. He wants nothing but the best for me, no matter what Pastor Joel told me so. Right? So, if if I believe that God has always been good with me, and I've always been good with God, to hear that now, now, because I've been justified through faith, now I have peace with God, it doesn't, it doesn't really do much for me, because I've always had that. Or at least I've always assumed that. I haven't gained anything. But I want you to hear me today. You have not always been good with God. You, you haven't. You weren't. At one time, you were not good with God. And if you've been around for the first 10 weeks of this series, you ought to know better by now. Don't miss this. You are not been good with God. Here's the reality. We all start out as enemies of God. Like all of us. We are not His children. We are not His friends. Now, we can become his children, we can become his friends when we are justified through faith in Jesus. Then we can become his children, then we can become his friends. But nobody starts out that way. Nobody begins that way. And just in case you think I'm being overly hyperbolic, there in your text, if you drop down just a few verses, Paul is going to confirm just how bad it was. Look at verse 9 in your text. Since we have now been justified by His blood, that's the good news, Paul says. It's happened. It's a good thing. We've been justified. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Pause. If this isn't true, if we have not been justified by His blood, then we have not been saved from His wrath. 
His wrath is still on you if you've not been justified by his blood. That's how bad it is. He continues, for if while we were God's enemies, that's what you were. We were all God's enemies. Unless and until we are justified by faith in Jesus, we are his enemies. We are not his friends. We are not his children. We are his enemy. You weren't, you weren't at peace with God. You were at war with God. And some of you are still at war with God because you have yet to be reconciled. While we were God's enemies, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, some of us are still God's enemies because we have not been reconciled by the death of his son. Unless and until you surrender all to Jesus by faith, you remain the enemy of God. That's just the reality. Outside of a justifying faith in Jesus, God is your adversary. He is not your advocate. He is your foe. He is not your friend. He is against you. He is not for you. And yet we live in a world where everybody believes that God is on their side, even if they don't believe that God exists. Like, if there is a God, He's for me. Everybody believes they are at peace with God. And the reason for that, a big reason for that, it's not their fault. It's pastors like me. The reason they believe that is because pastors like me, who don't want to offend people, and so we lie to them instead. That's the reality. It's the same exact thing that actually happened in the Old Testament when God spoke to the Israelites, His people, the covenant people. And He said to them, you're on the outs. Like this is, your sin has made you my enemy, and you're going to be punished. And I'm going to bring in a nation and they are going to take you into captivity and you're going to pay for your sins and your cities are going to be destroyed. That's what God said to his people. Who wants to hear that message? God's against you. He's bringing an army and your cities are going to be destroyed and you're going to be carried off. Who wants to hear that message? Nobody. And so the prophets, whose job it was to to speak the truth of God, They didn't want to share that because that makes you unpopular with people. They didn't want to share it. And so instead, they lied to the people. And they said, ah, it's all good. God's all loving. You're fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. God will take care of it. Not a big deal. It's all good. And God responds to that message. And here's what he says. God says, from the least to the greatest All are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. In other words, they're lying. They're lying to you. They're not telling you the truth. They are deceiving you. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. The prophets are saying, no, it's not a big deal. Nobody's coming. It's going to be fine. And God says, that's a lie. It's not fine. They are not taking, my 
My people are wounded. And they, they are treating it like it's a scratch. They're, they're putting band-aids on bullet holes, as they say. They're acting like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. They're telling you there's peace. I'm telling you there's no peace. There's no peace. And I believe that's exactly what's happening in our world today. Is that there's prophets and priests telling everyone, you're at peace with God. And God's at peace with you. But he's not. Which is why, again, most of us, we don't get excited about the reality that comes when we're justified in Jesus, that now we have peace with God. Whew. Because we never felt the burden. There wasn't peace. That God has now gone from our judge to our father, from our adversary to our advocate. And the truth of that reality, reality ought to make us drop to our knees and think. We have peace with God. That isn't the only blessing that comes with being justified by faith in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. We have access to God Almighty. And again, you don't get excited about that. And the reason is... Because you've always felt like you've had access to God. Like again, it's not exciting for you. That's old news. Of course I have access. I can pray whenever, wherever, however I want. He's always there. I don't have to worry about it. I can leave him if I want. And I can come back when I need him. He'll always be there. You've always had that. But when Paul's writing this, this was mind-boggling. Because before Jesus, people didn't have access to God. Like nobody just got to waltz into the presence of God. Like there was a tabernacle, there was a temple, and inside of it, there was the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelled. And nobody got to just walk in there. The very Spirit of God was in the Holy of Holies, and nobody got to go in except one guy. The most holy of all the guys, the high priest. And he didn't just get to waltz in anytime he wanted. He only got to go in one time a year on the most holy day, the Yom Kippur. And again, before he walks in, there's a lot of hoops he's got to jump through. There's a lot of bathing he's got to do. There's a lot of, a lot of special clothing he's got to wear, even down to holy underwear. I mean, there, it is a thing he's got to do because going in there is scary. And if you just waltz in there, there's a chance they're dragging your body out. One guy, once a year, and that's it. But, but Paul tells these same people, but now, because you've been justified by faith in Jesus, you have gained access to God. Like you get to walk into the presence of the Almighty. And just to make sure that we saw this, Within that Holy of Holies, there was a veil, okay, that, that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And that veil was huge. It's like 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, like four inches thick. It was called a handbreadth is what the, the Jewish history tells us, a handbreadth. It was four inches thick so that you didn't just 
bump into it and it opened up. Like it took some work to get in there because we don't want anybody going in on accident. A hand breath thick to get into behind this curtain. And yet, on the day Jesus died, God wanted to make sure that we understand that through the death of Jesus, we have gained access. So what happened? When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, this is Jesus on the cross, he cries out in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. In other words, when he died on the cross, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That veil that separated everyone from the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, was ripped from top to bottom. Not bottom to top. It wasn't somebody ripped it from the bottom. God shredded this thing and said, you are welcome in. You have gained access to the very Spirit of God into His presence by being justified through faith in Jesus. What a gift. And that's not all. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, if you are here in chapter 3, you might remember that we all fell short of the glory of God. That all people have fallen short of the glory of God, which brought about our condemnation. We None of us measured up. This is the standard, and we fell short. Nobody measured up, and that's why we were all in trouble. We were doomed. The glory of God was an unattainable bar that we could never meet, but that's not true anymore. For those of us who have been justified by faith in Jesus, we now get to boast in the hope of the glory of God because Jesus' righteousness has been given to us. We actually measure up now. We measure up. The glory of God no longer brings shame upon us. It's now something that we get to boast about. I meet the the standard of the glory of God, not because of how great I am, but because of Jesus. But again, that's not all. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Hang on. That one seems a little out of place. I don't know. We also glory in our suffering. For me, I don't know if it's, you look at it this way, but I look at this one and I think, all the rest of those made sense. Like we should celebrate the fact that we now have peace with God. We're no longer his enemies. That's amazing. Like I have access to God. I can go into his presence. That's amazing. Like I can boast in the glory of God. I now meet the standard. That is amazing. Like these are all blessings that we can all look at. But then you read this one and you like glory in our Sufferings. Like, how does that fit in? How does being justified by faith in Jesus, how does that bring about a blessing about being glorying in our suffering? If anything, if it was me, it would seem like not only so, but we glory in the fact that Jesus removes all our suffering. Like, that's the most excited you've been so far. Like, we can get excited about that. Jesus removes all of my suffering. He takes it all away. Jesus relieves my suffering. Like, we can get excited about that one. 
That's not what it says. We glory in the fact that Jesus relieves our suffering? No, that's not what it says. Again, that's what we wanted to say. And again, that's one of the most pervasive false teachings in the church today. That following Jesus is like getting up early. It'll make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's not the case. In fact, it's just the opposite. In Acts chapter 14, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, also planted churches all around the Mediterranean rim. And and during one of his journeys to Jerusalem, he decides he's going to stop back by and check in on some of the churches that he had planted. And he says he stopped by because he wanted to encourage them and he wanted to strengthen them. And so to encourage them and strengthen them, he had a message for them. And so I want you to see what the message was that he wanted to give to the disciples of these churches that he had planted. This, this is the encouragement. You ready? When they returned, meaning they is Paul and his companions, when they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, these were cities that he had planted churches in. When they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them, I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to encourage you to remain true to the faith. And here's what he says to them to strengthen and encourage them. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Don't you feel encouraged? That was what his message was. To strengthen and encourage the churches. We must. It's not optional. We must go through many hardships, many, to enter into the kingdom of God. You need to hear this today. Hardships, hardships are the only way that you're going to enter the kingdom of God. There is no easy path to the kingdom of God. That road does not exist. In fact, Paul will write it in the book of Romans this way in chapter 8. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We talked about this last week. An amazing promise. We are heirs of God. We inherit the whole thing. We are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Him belongs to us. I shared this with you guys last week. Amazing promise. However, I didn't tell you last week that there is a condition that goes with this. Note the comma, not a period. There's there's a conditional clause. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Do you want to be an heir, co-heir with Christ? That means that you then have to share in his sufferings. Like most of us, we want to share in his glory, but you don't get to share in his glory unless you share in his sufferings. That's just a reality. And we need, we need to remember this today. There is no path to the kingdom of God without suffering. To which I know you're sitting up out there thinking, well, pastor, what do you know about suffering? What do you know? I mean, your life is gravy. You don't have any 
mean, just look at that chiseled jaw and amazing physique and soft, supple, non-calloused hands. You got air conditioning off. What do you know about suffering? To which I would say, you're right. But when you hear this, you don't need to hear my voice today. You need to hear Paul's voice. And ask the question, what does Paul know about suffering? What did Paul know about suffering? And then go read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and let him tell you about his suffering. He wrote, I bear on my body the marks of Christ. And I always just try to imagine what his back must have looked like. How many scars he wore on his body from the beatings and the whippings and the imprisonment that he endured. What did his body look like? This isn't about what I know about suffering. It's about what Paul knows about suffering. And what does Paul say about the suffering that he endured? We glory in our suffering. We glory in it. We don't just endure it. We glory in it. And again, that sounds crazy. Unless and until you begin to realize it's only through suffering that I'm getting into the kingdom. When you realize it's only through suffering that I get to be a part of the family of God, that I share in His inheritance. It only happens through suffering. And then when suffering comes, I can glory in it because then all of a sudden I realize I'm on the right path. I'm on the right path. Now don't get this messed up. Suffering isn't the end of the story. It's not the point of the story. It isn't the goal but it is part of the story. It's a step on the road. It is not the destination, but we can't get to where we want to go without going through it. It is required to get us to where we ultimately want to be. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because, here's why, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Hear this today. Perseverance in your faith is not optional. Like it's not optional. You're not getting in to the kingdom of God without without persevering through suffering. Again, so just so you know that I'm not making this stuff up, let me share with you a few truths from the Word of God. You need to persevere. Like it isn't optional. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what you have what He has promised. Do you want what He has promised? Then you have to persevere. Not optional. Like you don't get to quit. You don't get to walk away. You don't get to give up and think you're going to get what was promised. The only way you get what was promised is you persevere. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 10. He's talking to His disciples and He says, you will be hated by everyone because of Me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You want to be saved? Then you have to stand firm to the end. Through the hatred of everyone. Like that's what it takes. You got to stand firm to the end. You don't get to quit. Jesus tells his disciples this in Matthew chapter 10. 18 months later, he's about to go to the cross and he wonders, did they get it? Do they remember? I better remind them. 
The week he dies, Matthew 24, he says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Don't forget this. You don't get to walk away. You don't get to give up. You don't get to quit. You have to persevere. Jesus told a parable one time about some seed that goes onto different soil. One falls on the rock, some on the path, some in the weeds, and it all gets choked out. But there's one, one who has some good soil, but the seed that falls on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. And those people hear the word of God and they, what's that word? They retain it. They hang on to it and they don't let it go. They hang on to it and by, what's this word? By, that was weak. Try it again. And by, by persevering, it produces a crop. You gotta hang on to it. You gotta retain it. And you gotta not let go. You gotta not quit. Even in the good soil, the seed has to go through suffering and you have to persevere for it to produce a crop. Even in the good soil. James puts it this way. Blessed, blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Do you want the crown of life? He's only given it to those who persevere under trial. That's the only way you get it. That's it. There is no such thing as a salvation without suffering. There is no such thing as a salvation without persevering. Sir, perseverance is required. Which means suffering is required. Because if you're not suffering, then you, there would be no need for perseverance. Like the only reason you have to persevere is because there's something in your life that makes you want to quit. I get, that's it. There's something in your life that makes you want to walk away. So if perseverance is required, then we get to glory in our suffering because it gives us a chance to persevere. And we aren't getting in without perseverance. That's not all. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character. So the point isn't the suffering and the perseverance isn't even the, I'm sorry, the, the purpose isn't the suffering and the purpose isn't even the perseverance. It's the perseverance that produces this character. A character, it's hard for us to understand this word in English. It really is talking about a tested provenness of our faith. That's the character that he's talking about. Something that proves that our faith is genuine. How do you know that your faith is actually real? The only way you know your faith is actually real is when you go through suffering. I mean, if everything is clear sailing, you don't really need faith. How do you know it's real? You only know it's real when you're suffering. In fact, Peter addresses this very issue. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice. What's all this? Well, it's all the suffering. Though for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We rejoice. In all kinds of trials. Ugh. Why? Well, these have come 
so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. All of that suffering creates a proven genuineness of your faith. That's how you know your faith is real. If you've been around a little while, you may have heard me say, a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Like you don't know that your faith is real until your faith has been put through the fire. Unless it goes through the fire and it makes it out on the other side, then you know I actually had faith, not in my circumstances, but in my Savior. Faith must go through the fire, which makes this whole thing now make sense. Which is why I can rejoice in my sufferings because my sufferings produce perseverance and my perseverance produces a character that allows my faith to be proven genuineness. Genuine. And then that genuineness, that character produces hope. Gives us hope. A tested, proven faith gives us hope because now we know my faith is genuine. And the more it's tested, it's like putting a blade in a flame. It gets stronger every time. That's what happens. It's tempered. It grows stronger, which leads to this declaration. This hope does not put us to shame. Or some of your Bibles say this hope does not disappoint. It's not a foolish hope. It's not misguided hope. It's not misplaced. Our hope for a right relationship with God is a hope that we can hang on to. It will not put us to shame. A hope that we can be a part of God's family, that we are His friend, that we are not His enemies anymore. We can have hope that that's true. And how do we have hope that that's true? Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out, past tense, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can be certain that our hope is in the right place because God has already poured out His Spirit into our hearts. He has declared, we are not enemies anymore. Here is my Spirit for you. This isn't something that's going to happen in the by and by someday over the rainbow when we're all taking the dirt nap. No, no, no. He's poured His love into our hearts already so that we can have a hope We are no longer His enemies. That we have full access to His Spirit because it is now in us. So what's the takeaway today? Let me review this text for us. For those of you who are justified, you've put all of your faith in Jesus, this is for you. This is for you. You have obtained peace with God. Like That's your standing. You are at peace With God, you are no longer His enemies through faith in Jesus. You have gained access to God. Like you can waltz into His presence. Jesus invites you in. Come to me. Come on in. He is the high priest beckoning us into the holy place. And He says, when you walk into here, you will find grace. You have a high priest that is merciful. And you will find grace for your soul. That's you in Jesus. 
You have met the standard of the glory of God, not because of something you've done, but because of what Christ has done. He's taken your unholiness and given you His righteousness. And because these things are true, you get to live different now. And how do you get to live different? You can now glory in your sufferings. Not glory because you are suffering. That's dumb. Who does that? But you can glory in it. You can glory in it because you know what God is producing through it. You can persevere. Like you can persevere. You can actually make it through the hard things that this life has to give you because His Spirit is now in you. Because you have been given a right stand before God, right standing, you don't have to quit. You can persevere. And you can prove your faith genuine. Like, do you want to know that your faith is real? You want the people around you to know my faith is real? You can now prove it by persevering. And you can have hope. You can have hope that this is all true for you. Why? Because right now you can experience the love of God through His Spirit in you. In Christ. This is what we get. These are the benefits of being justified by faith in Jesus. If you are not in Christ, these don't apply to you. But they can, because this is the gospel for everyone. It's for everyone who comes to faith in Jesus. And so if this is you, if you've made that declaration, snap a picture of this and celebrate it this week. It's not you. If you've not been made right with God, if you've not surrendered to Him, if you've not given up the fight, then I'm asking you to lay weapons down today. Come to faith in Jesus. Let us talk to you about that. What that looks like so that you too can experience all the benefits that come with a justified relationship with Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful for Your Word. It has the power to transform us through Your Spirit. Lord, encourage us today. Let these words sink into our soul and change how we live this week. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about Him and His Word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor Him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.